Welcome to Stories of Runeterra. My name is Ravenhood, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Runeterra by Riot Games. The League of Legends community has crafted an incredible universe filled with cute yordles, ruthless enforcers, and power-hungry mages. Each week, we're going to jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra biographies and stories and all manner of other things that we can find in there. Today, we're going to be checking out Brand, the Burning Vengeance, and Camille, the Steel Shadow. All right, so let's get started with Brand. I have played Brand myself once or twice as a support main for a while because you didn't have to support. Shh, don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe one day I'll get some cool effects so when I do his quotes and lines and stuff, I can do that with my voice. But uh, beyond that, uh, yeah, let's read his vignette and then his biography. This place will burn. Not by cinder or flying or breath of wind, but by the vengeance of my hand. That's where I would throw in cool special effects. But not yet. All right. Once a tribesman of the icy frail yord named Keegan Road, the creature known as Brand is a lesson in the temptation of greater power. Seeking one of the legendary world runes, Keegan betrayed his companions and seized it for himself. And... In an instant, the man was no more. His soul burned away, his body a vessel of living flame. Brand now roams Valoran in search of other runes, swearing vengeance for wrongs he could not have suffered in a dozen mortal lifetimes. Brand, the Burning Vengeance the son of a frail Yordian healer, Keegan Rode, was born an outsider. The little magic and herb craft that his mother possessed allowed them both to survive on the fringes of a small coastal community named Rygan's Reach. Friends were few and far between, and even as a young boy, he knew his father was an enemy reaver, and that he, and Keegan by extension, was the reason his mother was shunned. The villagers called him the Reaver Bastard. Keegan allowed his loneliness and resentment to smolder, often turning violent. After enduring years of seemingly endless winter, his mother's frail body finally gave in. As Keegan spread her funeral ashes, he thought of the people she had spent her entire life healing. None had come to pay their respects. He knew they wished him to disappear into the cold air as well. He would oblige them, but not before he took his revenge. He burned down the entire village and fled into the night, leaving himself with scars that would never heal. Keegan wandered the frozen tundra of the Freljord. He told himself that he was searching for his father, but he knew deep down that he was looking for a friend, or at the very least, a kind face. Finding neither... He holed himself up in a cave and waited to die. It was not death that came to him, though, but another outsider. The mysterious mage named Rise saw potential in this half-frozen young man, 
and took him on as an apprentice. Teacher and student struggled as Keegan's nascent wild magic frustrated them both, and Rise's requests for patience and humility often fell on deaf ears. Unfortunately, instructing Keegan would always come second to Rise's original mission. He had long sought to collect and hide away a power that could be Runeterra's unmaking, the legendary world runes. After tracking down one such fragment, Keegan faced the same desperate temptation that had driven so many before him to madness. The runes were the source of all magic in the world, and, against his master's warnings, he chose to seize that power for himself. Rise was forced to watch in failure as his apprentice was burned away by the raw magic, Keegan's soul utterly consumed. The creature that was born in that moment was no longer the bitter young man Rise had rescued from the snows, nor the frail Yordian mage he had come to know as his friend. Rather, this vengeful being of fire and fury that now walked the mortal realm would eventually become known as Brand. Cursing his former master and every other living being that would ever come between him and the runes, Brand lashed out with magical flames, and Rise barely escaped with his life. Over the centuries since that day, Brand has lived an anarchic, wildfire existence, taking and never giving anything back to the world. At times, he blazes across the heavens like a comet. At others, he sinks into the cold earth and slumbers, waiting for the unmistakable scent of magic that will lead him to another world rune. And should he find one, there are precious few in Runeterra with the power to stop him. Wow. Lots of power in there, eh? Take a sip of the water, as you know. I'm enjoying this. By the way, thanks for listening in. Go ahead and hit me up on Instagram or Twitter and let me know what champions you think we should do next. The third pilot episode we're going to do is going to be one of the shorter stories, and it's actually going to involve brands, so keep your eye out for that. I haven't decided if my schedule is going to let me be able to release that on uh, Wednesday or not Wednesday this week or uh, next Monday. So hang in with me for a minute and we'll be right back to check out Camille, the Steel Shadow. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Precision is the difference between a butcher and a surgeon. How's my Camille voice, y'all? We're going to have some fun with some of these voices, and we're going to see how badly I can imitate them because I think it's hysterical. All right, so let's jump into the story of Camille, the Steel Shadow. Weaponized to operate outside the boundaries of the law, Camille is the principal intelligencer of Clan Pharos 
an elegant and elite agent who ensures that Piltover Machine and its Zonite underbelly run smoothly. Adaptable and precise, she views sloppy technique as an embarrassment that must be put to order. With a mind as sharp as the blades she bears, Camille's pursuit of superiority through Hextech body augmentation has left many to wonder if she is now more machine than human. I feel like I need to quote something about Darth Vader in there. But I'm not going to because this is Stories of Terra, which is about League of Legends. Those, I do like Star Wars, so. All right, let's jump into her biography. Clan Pharos understands sacrifice. Most of the family's wealth came through harvesting a rare crystal from the Brackairn, a creature native to Shirima. These hex crystals, or first crystals, contained power normally only wielded by those born with innate magical ability. After Camille's great-great-aunt lost an arm during an early expedition, her sacrifice inspired the Pharaoh's family motto, For family will I give. The Brackern were a limited resource, and Camille's family had to augment the crystals they'd accumulated. Utilizing shadow investments in chemtech and runic alchemy, they developed less powerful but easier to make synthetic hex crystals. Yet, there were consequences. Synthetic crystal manufacturing has long been rumored to heavily contribute to the Zon Grey, Furthermore, it was only through espionage, intimidation, and murder that Clan Pharos held its monopoly on this priceless commodity and ensured its uninterrupted production in Zaun, maintaining the family's place in Piltover's illustrious Blue Wind Court. As the eldest surviving child of Clan Pharos's masters, Camille received every educational advantage. She had exceptional tutors, learning to speak several foreign languages and play the cello of Vienna at a concert master level. Camille also learned to read and write ancient Shuriman while assisting her father on digs in the Odin Valley. Traditionally, one of the younger children would become their family's principal intelligencer, working with the clan master to secure their family's success by any means necessary. However, Camille's younger brother, Stevan, had a weak constitution, so Camille took his place. He jealously watched her embrace her additional training, and she became quite adept in combat, reconnaissance, and interrogation. When Camille was 25, augmented Zonite thugs attacked her and her father, intent on stealing lucrative trade secrets. Camille's father succumbed to his wounds, and in anguish, her mother died soon after. Stevan became clan master, and he doubled the clan's research in human hextech augmentation, eager to prove himself as a strong leader. After a year of mourning, Stevan oversaw the induction of Hakim Naderi, a promising young crystallographer from the Shuriman coastal city of Beljun, as the family's lead artificer. Camille requested Hextech augmentation from Hakim to push her beyond her normal human limitations. Hakim was instantly enamored with her, and they bonded over the preparations and late-night stories of Shurima, and eventually 
Camille returned Hakim's feelings. Their affair grew reckless as they knew the surgery would conclude their time together. Hakim would move on to other projects, and Camille would once again be fully committed to the principal intelligencer's duties. More than that, Hakim worried that in carving away Camille's heart, he might remove her humanity. Days before Camille's operation, Hakim proposed marriage and begged her to run away with him. For the first time in her life, Camille was torn. Stefan had no such conflict, as he needed Camille to execute his vision. When he learned of the secret proposal, he devised a plan. The next time Camille and Hakim were together, Stefan would set himself up to be attacked. And when she saw her brother bruised and bloodied, Camille recognized what could happen when her attention was divided. Hakim pleaded with Camille, but she wouldn't listen. For family, she would give. She ended her relationship with Hakim, insisting that her surgery go forward. He was the only one who could safely perform the operation, so he excised Camille's heart and replaced it with Hextech, then resigned. When she awoke, the lab she and Hakim had shared was abandoned. Camille focused on her work. She took on further refinements, including bladed legs, grapple-spindled hips, and other minor hex augmentations, leading some to wonder how much of the woman was left. And, as Clan Pharos amassed more power and wealth, Camille's missions became darker and more deadly. Thanks to her Hextech heart, she did not age, but the years were not so kind to her brother. Yet even as Stefan's body grew more frail, his iron grip on the clan remained. Eventually, Camille uncovered the depth of Stefan's betrayal and realized his machinations were no longer in the family's best interests. In that moment, she disregarded the last sentiment she felt towards her brother. After installing her favorite grandniece as clan master, Camille now runs the family's public affairs as well as its more shady operations. A solver of... Mm, difficult problems. She embraces her more-than-human transformation and the cutting judgment it affords her. But a strange, mournful keening in her Hextech heart may yet prove a troubling portent. Yeah, regardless, Camille refuses to sit idle and gains invigoration from well-executed industrial espionage, a fresh-brewed cup of tea, and long walks in the gray. And this brings us to our story for today's episode. This one is entitled Tea with the Gray Lady, and it is Camille's story. The first sound I heard was the scrape of metal. The first sound I heard was the scrape of sharp metal against rock. My sight was blurred, my vision still swimming in murky darkness, but something in the back of my mind registered it. That knife edge slide on wet stone, and the grasp was the same as my mason when he marks out which rock to cut away from the cliff. <sighs> it set my teeth on edge. The fog in my brain receded, but it left me only with one panic thought as I strained at the ropes binding my hands. 
I was a dead man. In front of me, there was a grunt in a heavy wooden creek, and if I squinted, I could make out the bulk of what I guessed was Gordon Ansel sitting across from me. So much for hired muscle. It looked like he was coming around as well. Oh, good. You're both awake, a woman's voice refined and polished. I was just about to put the tea on. I turned toward her. Half of my face felt fat and bruised and the corners of my mouth were stuck together. I tried to move my swollen jaw and a coppery taste pooled on my tongue. I should have been thankful that I was still breathing. And the air had a lingering chemical smell like it would singe off your nose if you'd inhaled too deeply. <sighs> Just my luck. I was still in Zorn. One of you knows who's responsible for the explosions at the docks, the woman continued. She had a back to us. A flickering bluish light illuminated a slim waist and inhumanly long legs. There was a faint slosh of water as she set a glass kettle above the near-invisible flame of a Kim burner. Oh, go pound a sump, lady, Ansel groaned. Dear, leave it to Ansel to make a bad situation worse. Oh, Baron Grimes men always have such a way with words. The woman turned to face us, and it wasn't a lamp that lit a figure, but something within her that gave off an unsettling light. You will tell me what I want to know as if your life depends on it. I ain't saying nothing, Ansel snarled. Metal scraped the floor as she shifted her weight. She was deciding which one of us to carve from the quarry first. The sound made no sense until she began walking toward Ansel, and then I understood. Her velvet shadow separated from the silhouette of the table. The mystifying blue light pulsed from her hips, and leading my eye down a life form to twin blades. She was a high-end Kimmerick, unlike any I'd ever seen and built over a Zorn. <clears throat> Do not insult my courtesy, Mr. Ansel. Others have. They are dead now. Oh, you think them legs of yours scare me? The woman stood in front of my thick-headed acquaintance. I could hear the water in the kettle start to boil, and I, I blinked, and there was a flash, a silver and blue, and the rope that bound Ansel's hands fell to the floor. A hoarse laugh escaped from my bodyguard. <laughs> you missed, darling. Our captor seemed to be waiting patiently. Ansel leaned forward a few inches. An arrogant smirk plastered across his weather-beaten face. Ah, you can lick my... And the woman spun around. This time the razor-shot blade of a leg sliced cleanly through Ansel's neck. The severed head rolled to a stop just in front of me as the kettle whistle blew. I always knew Ansel had a big mouth. But now it lolled open, silenced at last. I kept telling myself Ansel was dead, but his eyes still stared at me in a horrified surprise. The fear in my brain climbed down my spine, stopping to throttle my gut until I was convinced whatever was left inside was going to end up on the floor. And now, Mr. Turek, we're going to have a cup of tea, and you will tell me what I wish to know. 
She said that and her words were unhurried. The woman sat down at a table and smiled. A whisper of steam escaped as she poured the boiling water into a porcelain teapot. And she looked at me with an imperious pity, like I was a, a schoolboy too slow at his figures. It was that smile that I couldn't look away from. It was deadly. It was knowing. Oh, it scared the piss out of me. Tea? I nearly choked on the wood. <laughs> oh, oh, my boy, she said. There is always time for tea. Well, my friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Stories of Rune Terra with all the ham and cheese served with tea. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Uh, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. Let me know what you think. Let me know what champions you would be interested in hearing the uh, bios and vignettes for next. I've got one more uh, of these pilot episodes, and I'm probably going to keep doing them as I do it for fun. Uh, I'm kind of enjoying this. I'm super thrilled to be learning about the lore. I'm going to give a shout out to the person that inspired some of the, the, the order of these characters, and it's Necrit on YouTube. Check him out. He's got a lot of awesome League of Legends lore stuff, and uh, he's got a list of best lore by tiers, and these three that we've done, Rise, Brand, and Camille, were the top three. And so we're going to start working through his A tier and then his B tier, unless there's someone in particular that y'all would like to hear. So reach out to me at Ravenhood on Twitter and Instagram or here on anchor.fm and let me know. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time here on Stories of Rune Terra. <laughs>